And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're gonna tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to the NBA Daily Ding on the Athletic NBA Show. Ding, ding! How about we can just watch basketball? I like that idea. Good morning and welcome to the Daily Ding here on the Athletic NBA Show. I am Jared Weiss. I am joined by the Athletics Toronto Raptors writer Eric Corrine and of course Andrew Slux is producing. And Eric, we are here today in a writer series to talk about your story on Darko. And I'm going to let you say the last name because I keep fumbling. Darko Ryakovic. And it's a great if I, am mispr- if I am mispronouncing it, I apologize to, to Darko and really all of Serbia. Like, you can't, I'm just going to, maybe all of the Balkans, I'll just issue a blanket apology now. Uh, you guys are better at basketball than I am, and uh, my pronunciation lexicon, I, I think I've got this one, but in case I don't, apologies. Okay, so Darko Ryakovic, he is replacing Nick Nurse. And he comes from a pretty good basketball lineage. And it starts all the way back in Belgrade. So can you kind of just walk us through his background and why you wanted to capture it the way you did? Um, so, like, why I wrote about him is pretty simple. Like, I think going back to 2008, when I first started covering the Raptors, it's like, oh, interesting new person is now part of organization. Uh <laughs> Better be, t- like, I should probably profile this person. Uh, and the first person I really did uh, uh, that for uh, at, at my old job was Jermaine O'Neal, the, the vaunted three months of Jermaine O'Neal as a Raptor. So, so Darko, uh, he, he has to beat that bar in, in order to uh, not be, yeah, I don't think I did a Landry Fields one. So, so I, I think that's the bar to not finish with, like, the most disappointing Eric Corrine profile, big, big ass profile turned into disaster. Um, But I think what's really interesting about Darko is he is sort of an unknown, like, like most, he, he wasn't even among the like most known assistants sort of making the rounds and head coach. Uh, searches like you had Charles Lee from Milwaukee, you had Kevin Young in Phoenix. Uh, Sam Cassell's name is always sort of coming coming up. And while Darko Ryakovich's name was constantly mentioned in uh, in the Raptors search, mm-hmm. uh, he even sort of was behind not not in terms of the Raptors view, but in terms of the public imagination like maybe behind lee certainly behind kenny atkinson even former raptors uh assistant sergio scariolo who's who's uh i believe is in italy now could be in spain but i think he's coaching full-time in italy um and he's like he's in his 60s and, and doesn't necessarily make sense for a team that might be going young we can talk about that later and Ryakovich was sort of the least known quantity available of the names that were making the round. So I thought it was a really good opportunity to dive into the details about somebody who didn't have much of a reputation except for 
you know, people who are really, really into uh, into the weeds of the NBA, so to speak. And uh, so, yeah, I, I just did the usual deep dive in terms of like where he started out, you know, the, his connections throughout the NBA. And um, as we'll get to sort of my conversation with Sam Presti sort of opened up a lot of that. So the Raptors tend to have a track record of hiring their assistants, and it certainly worked last time. Also, there was a G League connection there. So why did they decide to go this route, do you think? And what did you learn about Darko that made it, it make sense to you? Um, well, I think there are two parts of that. One is the Darko part, and one is the Raptors part. Last year for the Raptors, more like even as much of a disappointment as it is, is it was sort of mystifying, I think, to everybody involved. I never heard, like, a great answer, off-court answer. On-court, I think we could see what was happening. But off-court, like, why a team with such, I, I hate to use this uh, this term, but for the lack of a better term, good vibes in, in 21-22, <laughs> went to, like, one of the worst vibes team in, in 22 and 23. And, like... Yeah, you can pin some of that on Nick Nurse, and maybe he had some faults as a communicator. Maybe he didn't give enough rope to some of the younger players, but it wasn't all Nick Nurse. It was like it was a little bit of everything, and and what and so that's where the Raptors are coming from. So what you've seen from the Raptors is them really going outside of their comfort zone in a lot of areas. Like they they have a new. Uh, they got rid of a lot of people who have been with the organization for a long time, uh, whether it's in the strength and conditioning department or uh, the security department. And I don't think like, you know, part of my brain is like, what if Fred Van Vliet shot 38% last year from three instead of 34% from three? Would like most of these guys still be around? Uh, but that's just how my stupid brain works. Um, it's also right, so, but- Sure. Yeah. Um, but the Darko part of it is interesting because he is like really a f- like sort of a fountain of positivity and enthusiasm, more than that, just enthusiasm. And so to whatever degree the the people who are left over from last year are still wearing what happened, are still confused by what happened are still disappointed by what happened. Darko Ryakovich isn't only like a fresh face without that baggage. He's a guy who is like legitimately excited for this opportunity, legitimately brings his own ideas and likes the idea of trying to be with a team that is evolving and has to get a bit out of its comfort zone in order to to move forward. And you combine that with, you know, some of the things that the Raptors always believe in, uh, inner, you know, a, certainly an international background, a G League background, and having worked with some really great coaches from Monty Williams to Michael Malone uh, to Billy Donovan, Scott Brooks. Uh, and you got somebody who has just such a, a mix of experience that, you can't really say, well, here's the next thing he has to do before he's a head coach. Like he was clearly has the requisite. He's checked all the boxes except for being a head coach by this point in the NBA. 
Yeah. Okay, let's go to the Sam Presti part of this interview because that was that was like a fun curveball. It's always fun when you're reading a story about somebody and it's like a profile and then someone that you know that you feel like is probably not really related pops up and suddenly they're talking in the piece. So how did the Presti interview come together and what did you learn about Darko through that? So Sam Presti brought Darko Ryakovich to the NBA twice, essentially. He... He got him involved with the NBA in the first place when Presti was still working under R.C. Buford in San Antonio, and Presti would have been like a mid-20s, you know, wonderkind savant type um, at that point, as I think he was assistant general manager. But he was over in uh, at Basketball Without Borders in Treviso, Italy, and he was sort of looking for somebody who uh, could write up reports, act as like a quasi not not quite a scout because he wasn't necessarily going around and watching games for the spurs but he could like write up reports on players they were interested in just sort of keep them posted uh and so presti went to maurizio garardini who uh then became the raptors assistant general manager under brian colangelo shortly after that uh garardini was running treviso at that time and, and had a lot to do with running the camp and said I'm looking for a young guy in this area uh, who specializes in, in this part of the world. Can you help me? And I talked to Maurizio Garardini, and he's like, well, Darko had just come to the camp. His team had won, uh, in his junior team had won in, in Serbia. And what he noticed, Maurizio uh, Garardini, is he's this enthusiastic, smart, young coach. They were about the same age, Presti and and Ryakovich. So they hit it off. Ryakovich is, you know, for the better part of seven, eight years, is working for the Spurs in either an informal or formal capacity. Uh, he he came over to G Le- the G League a few times, to- or sorry, to Summer League a few times um, to act as an assistant coach. And that's sort of what got him really thinking, uh, Ryakovich that he could become, maybe get involved in the NBA or or North American basketball somehow. But of course, uh, Presti, shortly after that, goes on to become a member, or or to lead the Seattle Supersonics, who became the Oklahoma City Thunder. And after a few different coaches, uh, Presti needed a new G League, or D League then coach for the... Tulsa 66ers, I believe. They are now the Oklahoma City Blue, uh, which always just makes me think of a sad basketball team. Um, but uh, It's a frowning but, face uh, of a basketball team. Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, my, my favorite part of that story was Presti recall, or sorry, it was Ryakovich recalling Presti asking him, quote, 12 times if he was sure he wanted to move from Madrid where uh, Ryakovich had moved to coaching in like the third or fourth division in Spain to uh, Tulsa, um, which is, you know, no shade to Tulsa. And, and, uh, you know, Andrew Schlecht is going to be hearing this. I I don't know what his feelings (laughs) on Tulsa are, but like maybe I'd rather live in Madrid uh, is all I'm saying. But he definitely wanted to be he wanted to be involved. Um, My favorite sort of behind the scenes story uh, about that interview, though, is that like, you know, we're both sports reporters. We know what the Oklahoma City Thunder's reputation is as far as media availability. And, and like, 
as I've said a few times now, the Thunder were great to me and very open and, and like totally forthcoming and, and facilitated this interview. And I'm thankful for that, but that isn't necessarily what they're known for. And and especially what some of their stars (laughs) over the last, you know, in the prior generation were known for, let's say. It wasn't good. Uh, It wasn't good for the reasons at all. And so Sam Presti, I'm trying to word this in a way he won't be upset about, (laughs) called me surprisingly close to the start of free agency. To, to talk about Darko Royakovich. Uh, and in my head, I'm like, shouldn't you guys be like in a war room somewhere instead of talking to me? But uh, I think that, you know, maybe that says a little bit about Oklahoma City's uh, status and free agency and that they're just waiting for teams to start calling them about dumping salary. No, uh, but, that, but, that just isn't a test. It's a testimony to how amazing Darko is. That's all it but, is. But Sam, this was my second thing, was he was very very happy to talk about Darko Ryakovich. And, you know, that's the best when a pretty famous person inside the NBA <laughs> wants to talk about your relatively anonymous subject of this profile. So it really worked out for uh, your boy over here. <laughs> so, okay. Last thing on this story, you ended it with a little, a little vignette about parking in Serbia. Why? Um, well, I've driven in Croatia, which uh, you know oh, really? is you know, I, I don't I don't think that's a humble brag. Like I, I rented a car <laughs> on vacation, yeah, baby. Um, but there was this town called Shibanik, and uh, my then girlfriend, now wife, was like very stressed at how close to like the brick siding of the streets we were at times uh, she being in the passenger seat uh so for me like the the thought of like trying to find space in that type of street was something i felt i could write about a little bit because it was like a very tangible uh memory for me personally even though mine wasn't about parking it was just about being on a two-way street that really probably should have been a one-way street if that um <laughs> that's how so you that know you're part in of it. I, yeah that's i i thought i could describe it well but also you know the notion that you know i don't want to spoil too much but that darko ryakovich is clever and resourceful enough to you know, the phrase, I guess, is get in where he fits in, or is it fit in where he gets in? Whatever the that phrase is. Get in where you fit uh, in, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he's he's gonna he's gonna make it work for himself and those around him. And uh and you know I, you know, I certainly didn't ask about the parallel parking. So like it was something that Sab Presti brought up, like when I my last question asking about like I, I usually do this as a writer, like any any like lasting thoughts about him that I haven't covered. And he mentioned his parallel parking. So I asked, um, I asked Darko about it and he sort of gave me the money quote that I thought tied things together from a bigger picture. Uh, so that's why I ended with there. I know it was, you know, some people might've been confused or or read it as a non sequitur, but I, I, I liked the imagery and I, I sort of thought it spiritually captured his journey to to where he is now, which is one of the 30 jobs in the league. 
Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Yeah, it, it, it connected to me as this idea of he gets it done in tight situations, and that's what he's walking into with Toronto, this team that like is sort of in a rebuild, but also sort of needs to win now. It needs to figure out what's going on with like Pascal Siakam, for instance. So <laughs> what the hell is going on with Pascal Siakam? What's going on with this team after Fred Van Vliet left? Uh, in my recent mailbag, I did a two-part mailbag. And the first question I answered uh, was, what are the Raptors doing? <laughs> um, <so laughs> well, that's not a fair I, question. You can't answer well, that. Well, I mean. Who could? Yeah, I, I, I tried. Um, and... I guess I'll, I'll somewhat steal from myself is that Masai Jiri has this reputation. And I think largely because of the Carmelo Anthony trades and the Kawhi Leonard trade um, as like this huge deal maker, this guy who really swings big and certainly you cannot, and I'm not trying to take those trades away from him. They were, you know, landmark deals that, you know, we can fairly say really worked out for, for his teams at the time. I also think they were somewhat perfect moment trades. Like, you know, they they were presented at a time where the status quo was no longer really an option. Obviously, Carmelo was forcing his way out of Denver. He was going into free agency. This was happening whether he liked it or not. And, you know, to... In Masai Ujiri's advantage, Carmelo told him as much, which is, you know, uh, which was very useful at the time for him. Uh, with a little less cut and dry with the DeMar DeRozan Kawhi Leonard trade, but the Raptors had made the playoffs five straight years. In the prior three years, they had lost to Cleveland uh, with LeBron James three straight years, 12 to two in games. Uh, so. Uh, and that with two straight sweeps. Now, LeBron James had left for Los Angeles. You could say, well, why not one more try with without LeBron in the conference? But, uh, you know, there were some pretty clear limitations for that version of the Raptors team. And before he considered, beside Jerry considered tearing it down, he's like, why don't we take a chance with this guy who is, you know, all respect to DeMar, a clear you know, at his best is a championship difference maker, which he obviously ended up being. Other than that, I would say Masai Ujiri is like a conservative opportunist. He is very patient, sometimes to a fault, um, sometimes not. Sometimes waiting is absolutely the right thing to do. But I think we've got in we've got to the spot the place where analysis is maybe paralysis. 
Um, I'm sure that's not how they would describe it, but, you know, last, and according to Shams Cherania's report, like there haven't been serious negotiations with Pascal Siakam on a max extension, which would basically be four years between 190 and 220 million, depending what happens with the cap next year. Um, but they also haven't been especially close on a deal, a trade with anybody. There, there have been talks, but nothing super concrete. And I think, you know, that all happened around the trade deadline. And, and I think, you know, this isn't going to be a situation where there is a perfect, this is my read on it now, mm-hmm. where there's a perfect solution available. They're not going to get the, you know, Donovan Mitchell package for Pascal Siakam one year ahead of free agency for any number of reasons. Um, and Pascal Siakam's a two-time All-Star, two-time All-NBA player between one of the 15 and 30 best players in the league, let's say. He's a max guy. Like, those guys get paid max contracts. So it's not like, like even if you're able to negotiate him down a little bit, like, you're basically looking at the max. So to me, it's almost a binary decision. And maybe... And even if you're giving him the max to trade him later, and maybe that's what they're debating is trading him now versus signing him and maybe he gets a little bit more value. But uh, so I think that's the the, the decision they're, they're trying to make right now. And of course, it's the end of August or almost the end of August. And it's just a weird time to try and, and make that trade. So if I had to bet, I will say this ends in a extension before the season i don't feel good about that bet and that leads to a cascade and that's where the urgency should come from because og ananobi is a free agent next year gary trent or assuming he declines his player option which as long as he's in, not injured he will decline that option gary trent will be an unrestricted free agent scotty barnes will be uh, rookie uh, extension eligible after next season. Like they have a lot of big questions coming and Siakam is just the start of it. Um, also, who is their point guard? <laughs> so uh, fair question. The, they have four guaranteed starters, I would say. Uh, Scotty Barnes, uh, Scotty Barnes, Pascal Siakam, OG Ananobi, and Jakob Pertl. Uh, I would say the fifth starter will come down to Gary Trent Jr. and Dennis Schroeder, uh, Herbie Kuhn, the Raptors uh, public address announcer, had a lot of, has a lot of fun. I don't, I don't even know if it's fun. He, t- he takes it very seriously, I think, in, in nailing those uh, pronunciations. And uh, his best one is still Mike Buden- Budenholzer, which I, I'm not even going to attempt uh, anyway, we are far afield here. So it's either Schroeder, uh, if he starts, or I guess if he doesn't, it would be some Siakam-Barnes hybrid. I think that's putting a lot of pressure on both of them as not only the playmakers, but the guys who have to set things up. And, you know, I, I wonder sometimes if we talk too little or too much about the pressure of bringing the ball up the court. Uh Coaches certainly talk about it a lot, um, but it's a thing. And like if, if Scotty Barnes and Pascal Siakam are your guys bringing up the court, I, I would expect to see a little more um, ball pressure than usual in the 
in the uh, in the Raptors half court, I guess. So that's the decision they have to make. Uh, right now, I bet that they start Trent and and Barnes and Siakam uh, are are the quasi point guards, but I'm prepared to be I'm prepared to be wrong. And, and you know, this is coming off one. 20 to 25 minute conversation with Dennis Short with uh, Darko Ryakovic that had very little to do with the Raptors uh, roster construction. All right, well, one day we'll figure out what the Raptors lineup is and Eric Corrine will be there to tell us all about it. So for Eric and Andrew Schlecht, I'm Jared Weiss, we'll see you next time on The Day. Ding, ding. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.